This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Gen Z Money Podcast. We've been away for a couple of weeks just filming and recording for this series that we've got coming up, um, and I'm really, really excited to kick this off. We're going to be talking all about investing over the next few weeks, Um, and in this episode today, we're just going to be talking about the basics, so going over the real basics of how investing works, and I'm joined by my friend Nick, who we'll introduce in this episode, and he's going to be chatting to us in all of these uh, investing episodes in this season, so I I really hope you guys enjoy this and let's start with the episode. Hi Nick and thank you so much for joining us on this investing series. No, thank you. Pleasure to be here. So for people listening, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, I work in as an associate advisor, so I work with a lot of different financial advisors uh, that deal with um, clients ranging from, you know, Centrelink to uh, ultra high net worth clients. And um, on a day-to-day basis, we sit down and have meetings with them uh, and discuss their financial situation and and looking at particular areas such as superannuation, estate planning, insurance, investing, and, and, and a lot about just dealing with them on a dealing with clients on a day-to-day basis as they see us necessary. It could be to the point of, you know, investing for their children or, a wide variety of things. So I work in financial advisory. Yeah. And that's how we know each other. We've known each other for a while. I don't actually think we've ever met, have we, Nick? But just being in the industry, that's kind of how we got connected. Uh, no, not physically, but um, it did. It. <laughs> you know, that's fine. No, I saw you doing amazing. I saw you doing amazing things in Brisbane. So I um, remember oh. I reached out to you and commemorated all the stuff that you've done because it's been quite amazing what you've been doing. So um, I thought I'd oh, just thank you. say it. And then all of a sudden, uh, I'm sitting here with you on a podcast. So Awesome. How good is that? <laughs> Um, and I'd love to just get your opinion, Nick, before we start. Why do you think investing is important for young people? I think it's important because the compounding effect, I think a lot of people's regrets in the investing world is that they didn't start earlier. I think, mm-hmm. and I think the large barrier to that is in knowledge and education around investing. You know, you don't, mm-hmm. you, you, there are people who invest quite aggressively and then, yeah, there, there is a possibility of you losing money, but there's also two things about knowing how to invest and what you're comfortable with investing is also something that's important because you can invest in mm-hmm. fairly low volatility or low risk investments as well. But uh, having an understanding of investing in general is something that's definitely a, an important part of life and more so as you get older. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's why we've got this series. So the kind of things that we're going to be covering for anyone um, listening uh, is this episode, we're just going to really be going over the basics of investing and how it all works. Um, And then the second episode, we'll go through micro investing. We're also going to be touching on buying individual shares, buying ETFs and managed funds. And then we're going to be looking at how to build a portfolio and some of the investing traps to avoid. So there's plenty to come. Um, But in today's episode specifically, We're going to be going over why you should invest, um, the difference between investing and gambling, the two separate approaches to investing, the types of investments that are out there and where you can learn more. So first of all, Nick, I think we should touch on why you should invest. And something that you hear a lot of people talk about is inflation. And I feel like that's one of those topics that everyone kind of just goes along with but maybe don't actually have a proper understanding of what it means. So could you tell us a little bit about what inflation means and why that's important when it comes to investing? 
Sure. So I, I think the best way to explain inflation in, is when I was younger, I could buy $2 worth of chips at the local fish and chip shop, and that would actually be a decent size that could feed myself. Now these days, I don't think you can order anything under 5 or $6. <laughs> yep. So that in itself is, a, is inflation. So pretty much the cost of goods or um, even services or pretty much anything goes up in price as life progresses. So if I'm saying that inflation's at about 1% or say 2%, let's say, it, that's pretty much the benchmark of where you should be or how much return you should be getting from your investments, uh, from other sorts of assets. I think that it, it does sound quite technical, but in, it, the best way to think about it is if you're earning less than inflation or if you're, in, you know, you're, you're investing in something that's, that's less than inflation, so for example, 2%, then technically you can argue that you're losing money because you're not keeping up with that growing um, increase in prices. Yeah, that's it. And that's why, you know, especially for us working in wealth management, you'd never um, see clients that have hundreds of thousands of dollars parking that all in their bank account because if they're doing that, they're effectively, that money's losing value over time. Yep. Yeah, no, that's right. And then I just want to mention here though, I think some people can take that and think, that means that saving in your savings account is bad, especially now within, with interest rates being so low, you're really not earning much on your bank account savings at all. Um, but I thought it was also just be important to mention that that doesn't necessarily mean that you should invest every dollar that you have. Um, I'm sure you can agree, Nick, but there's something to be said for having an emergency fund and having money um, cash on hand when you do need it. The last thing you want is to you know have your car break down and you've got to sell down your investments and maybe wait a couple of days and pay tax on that money. Um, it is always really important to have money uh, in cash. And by that, we mean in the bank account as well. So we're definitely not saying invest every dollar you I have. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. I think it's also that sleep at night factor. So especially starting out and investing and even more so if you're not, if it's the first time you've invested, I would highly recommend that you wouldn't invest at all in, in, in the markets if you're not really sure. But yeah, I think a lot of it's that sleep at night factor. I think the easiest way to think about it is if I invested, you know, X amount of money and I lost all of it, would I be comfortable? Would I be able to, to continue living my life? And I think That's that you, you, everyone kind of has a little bit of a number in their head about what sort of number would make them feel comfortable that they have that sort of amount. It could be $5,000 in their bank account, knowing that, you know, I think if something bad was to happen, I, I think that would cover a lot of it, for example. And yeah. I think that, you know, I personally, if I had all my money invested, then I, I definitely wouldn't be having a good night's sleep because you don't really know. No. <laughs> so I think there's an element that you need to have in your control and then that's that money in that bank account. Yep. Absolutely. And you mentioned before, Nick, um, that you think investing is really important for young people due to compound interest. That's another th word that I think gets thrown around a lot, but not, not a lot of people really understand what it means. Although it can be complicated to explain, could you explain to us a little bit about what compound interest means and why that's so valuable with investing? Sure. So I guess the best way to do that, probably just use an example. So let's just say I have $100 and I invest that money. So that $100 is what we'd call the principal or the original amount. So the original amount that I, that I put in was $100. Mm -hmm. And just say I got a return of 10% in that one year. So therefore, my balance will go up to $110. And I decide to reinvest that, that 10%. So that would be $10 in this case. So therefore, I'll have $110 in that, at the end of that year. Mm -hmm. So then with the start of that new year, 
I'll have $110 to invest. And then if I earn 10%, I'm going to be having a return of $11. So you can see how that, even though it is small, that, that $1 difference doesn't, there was no added risk on your end because at the end of the day, you start with a higher original price, original yeah, investable absolutely. amount. So you think about that when we add another $1,000, add another $2,000 and you leave that for 10 or 10 years or even 20 years, then that becomes, a, that ends up becoming a substantial amount over time. If you just left yeah, it as it sure. was and then I guess you could look at it from a, a compounding effect is what people would normally say is that it's just leaving that money there and let it roll, let it roll. So by roll, I mean let it just reinvest. So whatever money you earn in that investment, you put it back in and then you let it go again and you let it go again. And then over time, that becomes a substantial amount. For sure. And anyone listening um, who has savings in their bank account, you might already be seeing the magic of compound interest. If you've got your savings account and they pay the interest at the end of the month and you leave that in there, you're then essentially earning interest on your interest, which is what compounding is doing. That's right. And I think and, and I think the biggest advantage that we have, especially with a lot of your audience, is that we're all quite young. So therefore, the what we call a time horizon or the amount of time that you have, you know, living is the, is the, the greater the compounding effect. So that's kind of what we were going back to a bit earlier, just about that compounding effect. And that has a, you know, a much larger advantage the younger you are because you have more time for it to do its thing. Exactly. Work its magic. Um, I don't know if it was actually Einstein who said it, but he's pretty widely quoted as saying, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it and he who doesn't pays it. And that means essentially if you've got debt, you know, at 7% and you are not paying that down as quickly as you should, you can have compound interest work against you as well. So we want our audience to be using compound interest in a positive way, which is which is why we're talking about investing today. Um, and if you do have savings and you know your interest rate on your savings, or if you have some investing goals, I would definitely recommend checking out the Money Smart website, which is by the government. And you can play around with their calculators on there with compound interest to get an idea of how that works in practice as well. And you said, um, Nick, that Another reason that you like investing is because you just like investing in companies that you believe in as well. Yeah, no, I think a lot of it, and I think that's a that would probably be a, a very great way to start your investing journey is to invest in companies that you, that you know. So, I don't know, you could even say, for example, your local shopping shopping place maybe Woolworths or it may be a Coles. So you know, it, it, at least you understand the business somewhat and how they make money, and then so sometimes that's that's a good entry point. Because, you know, if you buy, you know, a couple of hundred dollars worth of shares and that, then you kind of feel connected to that business in a, in a different way and um, you're updated um, more so than what you kind of would be if you just went shopping there. You, you can kind of see the benefit and, and kind of build that sort of knowledge from something that you know and then you start to look mm. at different areas. Yeah, totally. And then another thing I have been asked a few times and you might have heard something similar as well, Nick, is is investing essentially gambling? And now before I get into this question, I want to say as well, at the time of recording, there is a lot of hype about cryptocurrency and we're not going to get into that in any um, with any depth at the moment. But a lot of that I think is very speculative, very gambling-like. But when we're talking about long-term share investing, how is investing different from, say, putting your money in the pokies? Oh, well, I think that there is, um, well, there's definitely a, 
a decreased likelihood of you losing all your money when you're investing. But I think the difference, the main difference would probably be the ability to diversify. Um, mm-hmm. I know that I know that with gambling, you can, no, not that I gamble too much, but you can put, you know, your money in different sorts of numbers or something like that if you're playing a particular game. But I think that it's a lot different to um, investments. So, you know, the diversification in different sectors is, and I know we're going to be talking about this in, in, in later series as well, it does reduce your overall risk. And then also, you know, investing pays you a dividend so you can get some regular income um, as the balance goes up. So I think that there's a, a lot of variety in what you can invest. And I think you could agree, Nick, that there's definitely an element of luck in investing. But as you say, the more you spread your risk, the less likely you are to lose everything like you probably would if you put your money into the pokies. But it's also important to remember that there are ways to reduce the risk around investing just by being informed and educated about what you are putting your money into. The good thing about investing is that you can research the companies that you're investing in. You can make informed and educated decisions on what you're doing, whereas you really can't do that um, you know, on blackjack. You look, to be honest, I don't know how blackjack works, but I'm sure it's um, much more risky. <laughs> um, and then also having a strategy around investing, which is what we're going to be talking about later on in the series, um, can really help you reduce the risk when it comes to investing. And I think you'd agree, Nick, that you should only invest speculatively the money that you're willing to lose. Now, have you ever partaken in any super risky investments that you, you know, you thought you might lose all your money on, but you that you want to just give it a go? Uh, probably not, to be honest. I know that there's definitely be people mm-hmm. out there. I kind of, I don't know, I feel like I'm still building a fundamental sort of basis at the moment before I, this is just me personally, before I can probably start investing in those sort of speculative um, sort of investments. But I think that you're right, just echoing what we spoke about before, you know, that sleep at night factor. You don't want to be putting all your money in high risk sorts of things. Definitely, I can see the appeal and I know a lot of people do and there's nothing wrong with that to invest um in, in, in some more speculative things, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll, you know, you can make a lot of money quite quickly. So, uh, but you can lose it as well. So that's definitely something to be, to be around. And, you know, definitely if you, I think when, if you're going to give, put money into those speculative things, put it, put an amount in that, you, you know, you can feel comfortable if you did lose it all, it's not going to be um, too detrimental. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I wanted to talk about the two types of investing. Um, obviously, there's lots of different ways to invest, but there are two fundamental strategies that people often use, and that is active investing and passive investing. Now, I would I would consider myself quite a passive investor, and we'll get into why that is a bit later. Um, but could you explain, Nick, a little bit about what a what it means to be a passive investor? So I guess the best way to explain that would be a passive investor is a buy and hold sort of person. So they would buy something and then they would hold it. And if it goes up, it goes up. And if it goes down, it goes down, but they're still going to hold that share or that sort of um, mm-hmm. you know, investment. So they're not doing what people would consider day trading where they're buying and selling multiple times a day. Yeah, that's correct. So yeah, you, you, a passive investment could be held for you know up to ten years, if not longer. Um, one of those ones that you're just looking that you just buy, and then you kind of just set and forget in a way. And then whatever income gets um, generated from those sorts of investments, then that's great. And then if it goes up, that's great. But if it goes down, that's great as well, because eventually, you know, you're there for the long term. So I guess you could ride the ups and downs. The yeah. e- ob- most obvious sort of passive investment is probably something called an index fund. So those sorts of Funds track an index or those sorts of investments track an index, um, such as the ASX 200, 
Um, and in the US, that would be the S&P 500. So that pretty much, so just going back to the S&P ASX 200 is just the 200 largest companies. And then, you know, if, if, if a majority of those are doing quite well, then they'll go, then the, the index will go up. And then typically, if you're investing in that index, your value of that investment will go up as well. But then accordingly, if it goes mm-hmm. down, then your investment will go down. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I also think with passive investors, there's less of a focus on timing the market. So you're not trying to buy shares when they're at their absolute cheapest and sell them at their highest. You're kind of just regularly investing um, regardless of what's going on in the market. And you're doing it for usually for more long-term uh, wealth building. So I think I, I can definitely identify with that. Um, but then let's also talk about what it means to invest invest actively and be an active investor? So I guess if an active investor is pretty much, you know, kind of self-explanatory in a way in relation to pattern in comparison to, to um, a passive investor. So active is pretty much a person that reg- more regularly buys and sells um, investments to generate a better return than the market. So when I, ref- when I say the word the market, I'm kind of referring on a passive sense. So when I talk about that index fund, that's kind of what the market is, is. So mm-hmm. I guess the goal of an active investor is to try and beat that those indexes or the market. Um, and then that requires a lot more strategic thinking about, you know, what specific sectors would be going up and a lot more frequent in trading pretty much. Mm-hmm. You can do it yourself or you can invest in a managed fund and then those managed funds typically do the active investing for you, but then there's a fee that's associated with that. Um, but we'll definitely be speaking more about that because I know we've got a, an episode about that coming up soon. Yeah, that's right. And we've also got some episodes coming out on different types of investments. And some of the investments types that people might have heard of is direct shares, which is, you know, when you're buying shares in companies, exchange traded funds or ETFs. You're going to hear us talk a lot about that in this series as well. Um, Also managed funds, as you mentioned, Nick, there's micro investing, which a lot of people might have heard of the things like raise and spaceship, but all of that we're going to be discussing more in some upcoming episodes. But before those uh, next episodes come up, if people want to learn a little bit more about investing in the meantime, um, well, let's talk about where you can learn about investing. I know for myself, Nick, I learned about investing at first through reading a book, um, very old fashioned in university. There really wasn't any podcasts or anything out at that time. So just reading an old fashioned book was really helpful. Um, and now I do listen to a lot of podcasts, but um, what are some of the ways that you learn about investing or that you would recommend people look into? Uh, I'd say I definitely started reading books as well, just to be, and, I, and I was the exact same as you. I think I, my first book that I read was something called "Investing in the Australian Share Market." I think uh, very self-explanatory. Very, very, yeah, very self-explanatory. But uh, for some reason, I decided <laughs> to read the whole thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But honestly, I think the best resource is is reading newspapers, uh, in particular the sort of finance section. I personally found the Australian Financial Review very informative. It's one of those things, and I know it sounds a bit nerdy, but it's just, it's one of those ones that's, you know, kind of a lot of company information and about how, even just reading it, I remember sometimes I'd just try and read it even though I didn't find it that interesting. (laughs) <laughs> just so I can understand different terminology, different words. I'd, I'd usually have, you know, Google definitions um, right next mm-hmm. to me on my phone whenever I saw a word that I didn't understand. But, you know, I think I, I was willing to put that investment in. And then now I know a lot, a, a lot more about, about investments. And I think understanding that you're probably going to feel a little bit overwhelmed because finance in particular is quite um, overwhelming, but 
I think the best way to think of it is it, a lot of it's jargon. So a lot of the, the terminology you use can be definitely simplified if you just kind of, you know, put, put some effort in to kind of remove that sort of jargon. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, another website that does a really, really great job of simplifying all of those, all of that jargon and putting it into simple terms is the Money Smart website, which I mentioned earlier. That's a government website all about financial education. Um, and that's a, p- a great place to go if you hear of a term that you're not sure of or a concept that sounds a bit confusing. The Money Smart website is um, definitely your f- first port of call. Um, So Nick, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. This was just our intro, but we're really keen to make some episodes for this series um, and we'll chat to you next week. No, I'm looking forward to it. I think we we definitely have some really good episodes coming up and I think it'd be a really great discussion between us and then hopefully, uh, you know, a, a lot of people can get a lot more from it and understand investing a bit more than they did previously. That's the goal. That is the goal. Awesome. We'll see you next week, Nick. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.